Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, uh, and this week we've got some pretty big news to get into before we get into our season review. Um, before we do that, though, I'll introduce some of the uh, guys we got on today. First, of course, Matthew joins me as always. Matthew, how are you doing today? I'm okay, Gino. I was better about 9 o'clock this morning when I woke up. Yes, um, yes. Well, Absolutely. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. And then, of course, we have um, another RBM contributor, uh, Pete Reynolds, joining us. Pete, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good. A bit uh, surprised by all the news, but it's Everton, isn't it? It, it is. It is. It is. Um, and yes, that news car that Carlo Ancelotti is now uh, seemingly on his way out of Everton to go back to Real Madrid, um, obviously. Um, as I'm sure you guys know at this point, we're, we're recording right now at, uh, you know, what, what is it over there? 219 for, for you guys in England, Matthew. Yeah. Um, 219 PM. So still um, nothing officially confirmed, but obviously the reports are uh, pretty damning, um, you know, in, in favor of him leaving uh, three years left on his contract at Everton. So um, if he does leave, there will be presumably some compensation coming back, but, um, Pete, we'll start with you. What was your initial reaction to this news? Uh, um, I mean, it can't, there's, there's been whisperings about it for a few weeks, haven't there? I, I was pretty surprised when it actually came to fruition. Um, partly because it's like so uninspired by Madrid. Uh, and then, I don't know, I think I'm not in the same camp as a lot of Evertonians because I was never completely wild about Ancelotti in the first place. Although I've, I've warmed up to him, I think he's a great ballot. Um, but I don't think he was the manager that would really get us to the next level. Um, but I know I could be lynched for saying that at the same time. So for us, I think for us it's potentially an opportunity to try again at the game of getting a good manager in. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, obviously the news is, is a bit of a shock, but like you said, whisperings, um, you know, coming about uh, recently as well. Matthew, your initial reaction um, initial reaction to the news. Uh, I think I heard about it a few days ago. It has. It's not just the rumors haven't just started today. Mm-hmm. I've been around for a few days, even maybe before Zidane quit on Thursday. I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm kind of baffled by it because well, maybe maybe it shouldn't be. But because I, I I completely get why you would leave. You know, tenth place Everton for Real Madrid. Don't, don't get me wrong, but you know, maybe we were too easily seduced. But it just his sort of his affection for Everton, his affection for Crosby. You know, his his uh, drive to kind of spearhead this project and, and build something and take on and you know embrace this kind of different. Challenge to to that which he's he's had previously, you know. I I I bought into that, bought into him. Like Pete said, he's clearly a really affable human being. Um, I did, and you know, I just I did genuinely think this might actually stay the he might actually stay the course. Um, it does feel a bit of an easy gout just to go back to Real Madrid, but then, like I said, you can understand why you'd rather manage Real Madrid than Everton. Um, so it's a bit disappointing, I guess, on Ancelotti's part, well, for us anyway, as Evertonians, but um, I think the only thing I, w- I would say is, is like, kind of shows again that there's no real loyalty in football, is there? And that's not me trying to be too, I'd be too critical of Ancelotti, because like I said, I can understand it, but I just think, you know, for as much as people say they, they, they love a club or they want to be at a club for however long or whatever. <laughs> More often than not, they tend to be kind of empty, hollow words. They don't really ring true, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, obviously, like you, like you both said, there were whisperings, but I think still the, the, the waking up today and, and, you know, for me waking up and seeing the news um, here in America and, and just, you know, it's like you said, Matthew, it's, you know, maybe we fell for it too much or fell into the 
love and affection and, and all of that with Ancelotti and, and, and how he had bought into the club and whatnot. And, and obviously, like, you know, it's, it's Real Madrid. So, you know, especially with the state that Everton is still in and, and obviously the job that needs to be done there. Um, obviously, Real Madrid is, is still a much more appealing job. But, um, I, you know, I think, you know, with everything that was said and mentioned over the past year and a half that he's been the manager and, and how much, you know, it seemed like he had fallen in love and immersed himself and everything about the club and everything about Liverpool and, and the city and, and all that, it just seemed like it was moving in the right direction. But again, when, when Real Madrid comes calling, it's, it's hard to say no, especially when the project at Everton is, is still in, you know, the beginning stages and still has a lot of work to be done. Yeah. So um, I don't know whether the fact they didn't win La Liga last time is what's brought him back to Real Madrid as well. Yeah. Um, or the fact he'll be in the Champions League, but I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Everton was never going to be like the pinnacle of Ancelotti's career, was he? And I think no, no. Um, it's just a shame because I think there was a lot of potential there. And for as much as people say, you know, he leaves us having finished tenth. You know, we were saying before we came on that like tenth is about where we should be with the squad that we've got. And he, I know the end of the season was disappointing because we fell away and kind of ran out of gas a bit, but. I think for the most part, he's improved a lot of things about Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, still a long way off, but then there's a lot of dross in the squad. There's a lot of players that need to get shipped out regardless of who the manager is. And then, and, the, and that's the frustrating thing for me as well, is that we've now got to go through another summer of transition, another summer of a new manager having to find, having to find out for himself who the, who the, who the deadwood is, you know. Because I think a lot of the players, this is the last thing I'll say, I think a lot of the players that we know need to go, you know, they, they are, some of them are players who outsiders might think, well, he's a good player. He's a good player. You know, you want him in your squad, if not your team. When, you know, we've seen him often enough to know that we don't want them, any, we don't want them anymore. So it's going to take, it just feels like we're back to square one yet again. And, um, Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd almost ask, in in lieu of money, maybe just Ancelotti leave a list of players that no longer need to be at the club. That might be more helpful to us than the money at this well, point. Well, I think Hammers will go, won't he? I, don't, I can't see yeah. Hammers thing. No, no, no way. That's real good. Well, probably, I think Alan might go if Ancelotti's not here as well. Um, and then, obviously, you look at the fringe players like Bernardi, Wobie, Delph, whatever. I think probably not long for the club anymore. But I also wonder how it will affect like players like Godfrey and Calvert Lewin. Richarlison. Well kind of be in well Richarlison, yeah, but I mean these players who Ancelotti has kind of really elevated this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How their, their oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. how their development, you know, is affected by his departure yeah. and whoever comes in, you know. Um Yeah. And also how it affects Everton's ability to attract players in the market. Because I said last week that I don't think we necessarily need Europe to attract the right players because when we got Godfrey from the championship, you know, got Calvert-Lewin a few years ago when we had no Europe. But if you've got no Ancelotti, how much, of a, how much of a pulling factor do you do lose out on man if he's gone? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's definitely a significantly harder task uh, now that... He's got, I think, you know, there, there's obviously and clearly some pull um, that he had um, to get players to come in the club. And, 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 you know, I feel like a lot of players have mentioned that um, and mentioned just him being at the, at the helm as, as a reason why they, they joined. Um, and, you know, again, it looked like a lot of those guys had bought in as well and bought into the Ancelotti's, you know, thought process there. Um, obviously, we're recording – we we don't know for sure, but it looks like it's headed in that direction. Um, where do Everton go from here? Well, you know, what are some managers maybe you guys would look at if we need to replace um, Ancelotti, which seemingly looks like is becoming more and more of a realistic option and could be something we will have to do within the next, you know, not have to do, but will be official in the next couple of days. Well, that's a big question, isn't it, really? Yeah. So, so what's the kind of plan for us now? So the obvious, I think there's one candidate that everyone wants, or pretty much everyone, and that's Conte. But, I mean, you can ask Mishiri to throw his millions around again, but like that's a 
big, big wish. So I think on the more realistic list, you kind of got like Eddie Howe, um, Nuno from Wolves. Like not, I think both of them, I think, are good managers, but I think they'd be horrible equipment for us. Um, and then uh, it gets hard, doesn't it? Like you kind of look with the, the same list that we've had for the probably five years. Every time we've got a manager, you've got Moyes, you've got Benitez. And it's not too inspirational. I think I throw a couple of curveballs out um, that I've, one of whom I've been pandering for for years is Lucien Favre, who just got sacked by Dortmund uh, a few months ago. But I think he's the type of manager we need in terms of, we need someone, as we said before, like we've kind of probably got about the 10th best squad in the league. So unless we're somehow able to significantly improve that, we need someone that's going to be able to overachieve. And we need someone who's got a record of doing that. That's what was always my concern with Ancelotti. He kind of does what's expected in every job. Like, you know, you go to most clubs, you kind of win the league sometimes or is there or thereabouts. But we really need someone who can punch above the weight. And I think Favre for me is that manager in terms of pretty much everywhere he's gone. He's, mm-hmm. got, he's taken teams from like struggling in Bundesliga to Champions League. He's, and he's done it multiple times. He didn't do have a great time at Dortmund, but that's the kind of way we should be thinking. Um, although 60, he's probably not a long-term option either. He's 63, I was going to say. I didn't realise how, yeah. how long think, he's been. I think it's a, one, it's a one or two year thing, but I think we just need someone to get us to that level and then we can kick on. And I think. It'd be nice to have someone in the club that you think could maybe take it over. Like, cause then you look at the options of Dunk or... Bunzi and then neither of whom are ready, no. I think. No. no, no, not for me. Um, I think I would, I would go for Conte. Um, however unrealistic that might sound. I mean, Conte is like the, the dream, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and I think most people's dreams or hopes of getting Conte are just based on the fact that we attracted Ancelotti, and I don't know how fair that is because you you pointed out on our slack before pete that you know we got ancelotti when he maybe wasn't in his prime whereas conte's just won Serie A and he won the premier league a few years ago blah 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 so um there are different junctures in their careers i guess um yeah. i would say where is where is conte going to go because juventus job is gone real madrid job will have gone if ancelotti takes it you know tottenham maybe but doesn't sound like he's being linked. I mean, the ones who have been linked at the moment are people like Nuno, Eddie Howe, um, David Moyes, none of whom really... I mean, Nuno maybe, but it, it, it kind of fizzled out pretty pretty, um, pretty spectacularly with Wolves, didn't it? And they were, they were awful. I know they lost a lot of players, but they were really awful to watch. Um, uh, Wolves at the end. I would... It's difficult because there isn't a name that jumps out at me, really, other than Conte, and that doesn't seem likely. So, all I would say is I think maybe we need somebody who kind of mirrors what the club needs in terms of playing staff, in terms of not necessarily younger manager, but hungry managers who are on an upward trajectory in their careers. That's still an important factor. What do you think of um, who, who still need? Ten Hag. Yeah. I don't know much about Ten Hag, but I think again that would be a more what's the word? You know, big name appointment, I guess. Um I mean he's done great at Ajax, he's won the league there I know it's always difficult to compare like Eric Davizi to Premier League, but it yeah. seems like he could be towards the end of a cycle as well. Ajax. Yeah, but he oh no, he he did extend his contract with Ajax though, so uh a month ago, so <laughs> it would be odd if he just walked away. No, no, I mean, it's a fair shout, but I think it'd be odd if he walked away now. I don't know. I just I just think... Because on the one hand, it doesn't really... Conte isn't that kind of manager, but then I would like Conte, but at the same time, I do think maybe we need someone who... Is that... I don't know. It's really it's really hard because you think maybe, maybe what we need is like a, a winner, you know, a bona fide winner like Ancelotti to kind of harden this kind of brittle squad and use his now and experience and you know knowledge of what good players are to to weed out the 
the ones who aren't good enough and build his own squad and build his own kind of club. But but by the same token, I also think maybe what we need is someone who who for whom Everton is like the, the next step in their career ladder, you know. Yeah. Because um, nobody's unless you're an Everton fan, nobody's dream job is Everton. So you kind of have to no, it's not, though, is it? You can't nobody nobody sees Everton as the pinnacle of, of football management at the moment, really. Mm-hmm. So you have to accept that maybe managers are gonna move on from us. Um so I don't mind really, as long as they don't do it as overtly as Cumin did. I don't really oh, yeah, mind yeah. if managers use us as, as a stepping stone as long as they take us, you know, higher than we have been before and improve us. I don't have a name for you, but I just think that's maybe the kind of profile we need. Someone who it feels like the next logical step for them as well. Um, although I would say the one the one names the names I would rule out in terms of who I don't want is Eddie Howe and David Moyes. Apart from that, there's nobody who would really say I definitely don't want. The the only one who would say I definitely do want is Conte. By the way, I would just say this, uh, the Athletic are reporting the Evans board are going to meet at about 3 o'clock today, which is in 25 minutes. Yeah. So, um, we'll see what happens there. By the way, in terms of like, the manager we bring in, the thing I really like about Conte is just the kind of manager he is. And I think Everton fans would love him in terms of this intensity they bring. Whereas this is my worry about like Howe and Nuno is that they're much more possession-based, kind mm. of passive kind of guys. And I just don't think it's a good fit for our club. Whereas this kind of you know, like a dirty think, holding midfielder as a manager, that's the our kind of essence. I think, of yeah, I think Nuno is quite intense, but I don't think I don't think outwardly maybe not so much. I think it's is more kind of placid at times. Yeah. I did read in his the uh, Wolves correspondent, the Athletic, I think, did a sort of you know why Nuno and Wolves are parted ways and things. He did say things which I didn't like. Sound I particularly like. I don't think he watched any under-23 games or something at Wolves, which I found a bit odd, considering... Although his title at Wolves was head coach, not manager, so I guess that's a slight difference, but... Sounds like Silva. Um, yeah, but that's not what we need, is it? We've, we've done that. No. We've done that. feels like we've done every single route now, doesn't it? We've done the, yeah. the, sort of the project manager. We've done the sort of firefighting manager. We've done the sort of dream appointment, the Hollywood appointment. <laughs> Yeah, what, really what's the next no, step? And what's no, the, uh, there's no, that's the kind of thing where there's no obvious type of manager we want now. No, Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes. <laughs> Steve, Steve Bruce had a good end to the season. I did, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I really don't know who it is. Because it feels like Everton is such a muddled club in terms of thinking, doesn't it? It doesn't really feel like there's a lot of alignment there. Here's no. another question for you. Would you rather Mashiri take the lead on this appointment or Brands? Brands, Brands, absolutely yeah. Brands. I don't think Mashiri's football knowledge compares to Brands. I mean, like Mashiri's basically. Mashiri should be there to knowledge. sign off. Mashiri should be there to sign off on deals, and you know, and that and that's it really, and just be a, benef- yeah, be a benefactor. Mashiri should have, I don't think, very much to do with the football side of it. You've employed a director of football, you know, you've employed a very good and esteemed director of football. Let him do his job. Let him do his job and you do your job. Your job's to pay for it. His job's to, to make it happen, you know. Um, yeah. But hey, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're such a confusing club, aren't we? Nothing's, nothing is... Nothing's black and white with Evan, is it? Yeah, not, nothing is ever easy. Um, and it's just, you know, I think we're just all kind of at this point kind of lost because like you said, we've, we've tried everything, you know, we've tried, we tried all the different routes and, and here we are, you know, it's, it's like, where do we, like, where do you go? Um, well, the names on the athletic show, the names the athletic are putting them, Benitez, Moyes, Fonseca and Roberto Martinez. Fonseca? Yeah, Fonseca. Is this, this, same, is this the same article three years ago? I actually like the sound of Fonseca on me. Was it when we appointed Silver? I think he was in the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was when yeah. we appointed yeah. Silver. Um, but he, did he get sacked by Roma? Or? Yeah. I yeah, I think so. he had a pretty miserable time. Yeah. yeah. He, did, he did well at Shakhtar, didn't he? I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
He knows Bernard, so maybe he'll survive. <laughs> Finally, Bernard. get the best out of Bernard. Is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, we need to keep. I do like. I like for for years. I'm not sure, but you know, we'll see. I just, it just feels like I would just like a quiet summer, you know, where progress feels more. Yeah. Evident, and we're not just, you know, pressing re- reset all the time. But. I guess this time it's not of our doing, is it? It's someone else, someone else nicking our manager. Yeah. I mean, the last time someone nicked our manager, we ended up finishing fifth the season after, so I'm getting 72 points. So. Well, should we give Bobby another call then? <laughs> Just for one year. It's one year, Just... one year deal, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Um, all right. Yeah, you want to talk about the? You want to review the season? Um, yeah, yeah. Should we look back at the season? I think. And yeah, let's, let's get into that now. Um, you know, our original plans for this episode were, were just to you know calmly talk about the season and <laughs> and break down what happened in uh, in the past year. So let's start with the preseason. Um, we'll start with the the ins and the outs. Uh, the players that were brought in: Niels and Kunku from Marseille on a free. Um, Allen and um, Allen from Napoli uh, for 21.7 million pounds. James Rodriguez from Real Madrid for free. Um, Abdullah Decore Watford um, for 20 million pounds. Ben Godfrey from Norwich for 20 million pounds. Then Robin Olsen from Roma on loan. Um, And then we'll go through the major um, outs because there's obviously a lot of them. Uh, you know, Morgan Schneiderlin left uh, for two million pounds. Um, do we consider Sandro Ramirez a major out for free? Um, you know, Moise Keen. <laughs> yeah, Moise Keen left on loan. Um, you know, Leighton Baines was released. Um, well, really retired. Um, Kuko Umar Nias, uh, Luke Garbett out on a free. So Theo Walcott on loan. Um, so, uh, you know, though, you know, uh, those are, you know, a majority of the major, major ones that, um, left the club, the preseason results, it was a, you know, a way draw to Blackpool, um, and, and, and a two nothing win at home to Preston. Um, you know, the summer window seemed to address the, address a lot of the highest priority, um, positions. Were you guys, you know, coming into the season, were you guys happy with the incomings and outgoings? Um, you know, Matthew, we'll start with you. Too old, too right age, enough Deadwood cleared. Just thoughts on, on the, you know, the biz, the summer business. Well, I remember when we did the, re- the review of last season uh, with, with Poddy Boyland. Um, I think he made the point that this was always going to be a really difficult summer for Everton to um, address the squad because the... This season started seven weeks after the previous season ended. Um, and it's hard enough getting a lot of signings to jail all at once in one summer. But when you've got that such a short turnaround, it's even harder. And I think we kind of said this last week with Ian, but it just felt like this, this summer were was mostly just about signings to maybe just get us through this season, maybe just put some sort of, building blocks in place, some foundations in place to build on. Not necessarily like long-term solutions, but maybe just solidify us for a year, add a bit of steel, add some players, Ancelotti trusts more, like Alan uh, and Rodriguez, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I was I was pretty happy um, with what we did last summer because I felt like, yes, it addressed... The midfield was the big one, which I felt, for the most part, when they were fit and, and on form, which was most of the time they played. I think Alan and Decore improved that midfield a lot. Rodriguez added more creativity when he played. Um, it was kind of one of our main out- outlets for creativity, wasn't he? And um, I think the, the disappointing one was Moise Keane leaving, I guess, on loan. Obviously, that's, you know, whether whether Ancelotti stays or goes might have some part. In what, in what he does, whether Pochettino stays or goes at PSG might have some part in what he does. But other than that, I think there aren't many that you'd look on that list and say, yeah, I, I would have wanted to keep him at Everton. So the, there are more players you would have wanted to get rid of, but again, in that congested summer, it's, it's really hard, especially when they're not particularly you know, viable assets for other clubs as well. So 
I would have given up. And obviously, Godfrey came in as well at the end of probably a player of the season. So I think if I was to raise it out of 10, I'd probably give it an eight. I think most, most, most key, most weak areas were addressed. And, you know, the squad was trimmed, at least, if not completely cleared of Deadwood. Pete, how about you? Yeah, I think, like, if you think back to the season before, especially the end of the season, we just had this gaping hole in the middle of the park and we just had to plug that. I think we were having, like, Tom Davis and Sigurdsson in the middle. It just wasn't working at all. It was getting played through constantly. So, I think for us, Alan and DeCorey were just that instant kind of remedy. They just solved the issue straight away. And then we had that kind of sprinkling of stardust with Hammers. But then we also had the kind of more brand effect with um, Godfrey, who was a great signing. And even Kunku, like, he's not played much, but like, he's looked very promising considering we've got him for basically nothing. Um, I think in terms of incomings, pretty much flawless. I think probably the only thing you might say is you, you wanted a right back. Um, that's still good. That's obviously going to be the main priority this summer. Maybe we couldn't have afforded it as well last summer, but uh, that was the only slight gap, I'd say. And then in terms of our going, yeah, it's just kind of trimming the squad, wasn't it? There's no, yeah, boys Keane, maybe if he could have kept him on the bench because we were lacking that option throughout the season of who can we bring on, but equally the season before, he didn't show much from the bench. So I think, yeah, I think it was a really good window for us. Mm-hmm. I think actually, if you look at Brands now, he's, been, he's had three summer windows. I think the first one he got spawned. Um, and then the middle one, he kind of had a bit of a wobble with Iwobi and a couple of other dodgy signings. But then he's kind of got back on track again this summer, uh, last summer. So I, I was really happy when he renewed his contract this season because that's the one point of stability we seem to have in the club, which after having after the dreadful signings that we had under Walsh, it's good that we've at least got that kind of point of consistency now. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Do you think, do you think Ancelotti yeah. fit Brands' model in terms of player recruitment? Um, probably, probably, well, we don't know really, because like I said, maybe give it another summer and you might have gone for more long-term things. But Yeah, I think if, if Ancelotti wasn't there, you're not getting Alan and you're not getting Rodriguez. Um, I think the other four, you'd say, are kind of more in the Brands' realm. Um but it's, I don't know, it depends who you think he, who we think he might have brought in instead if he, say, he had another £25 million to spend on another midfielder. I guess it would have been more of a younger kind of player. Um, but I think that kind of balance worked out. So we, we've kind of got the best of both worlds there, where the star attraction of Ancelotti and then the kind of long-term thinking of Brands, which is that that's the one thing I'd say is I'm really just putting in is that we don't have that opportunity now to really attract those type of players, I think. Whereas now, because it, Basically, if we want to do that now, we've got to do it on con- by convincing them that everything is going to work in the next few years or in the, or in the more immediate uh, yeah. time frame. I mean, I hope hopefully Brands will provide some sort of continuity this summer as well, you know, which, like you said, he signed the contract, so he will do, I'm sure. But um, hopefully he will, he will be the one, I guess, key component where, you know, he, he hopefully... You know, when a new manager comes in as well, he can kind of kind of fill in the new manager on, you know, straight away and where needs addressing and where and and you know who needs going out, where we need to look at coming in, and I think that will that will be a big help in terms of because you remember when Silver came in, Browns also came in at the same time, and I'm not saying that's why it didn't work for Silver because I think fundamentally probably just wasn't good enough for the job, but I think it will certainly help whoever comes in this summer. Um, that they've already got a director of football who's been there for a few years, who knows the club, who knows the model that they want to operate with, ideally. Um, I don't necessarily think we'll see the same kind of summer, actually. I think it'll probably be different. I don't think we'll... We certainly won't see it. I don't think they're sort of big names as as, uh, as last summer. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, obviously, who comes in and then what approach they take to the window. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I mean, you guys basically hit everything on the head there. Just, um, <clears throat> I think all the players are brought in. We, we talked this about this a little bit last week too, Matthew, about how, you know, um, you know, Allen and those type of players were short-term fixes and, and hopefully this summer would be, would be more long-term fixes or, or long-term options. Um, you know, we trimmed a lot of Deadwood last summer, which was great. 
um, and brought in some really quality players. So, you know, there's obviously, um, you know, there's, there's obviously talent in the squad. And, and I think, you know, for the most part, you know, especially with the shortened transfer window after the, the pandemic, you know, lengthened season and all that, you know, I think it was, I think it was a solid uh, summer transfer window and one we would have, you know, obviously, you know, still hope to build on. But um, again, with, with we don't really know what's going to happen with Ancelotti leaving and, and, and whatnot. So let's move on to um, the pre-January Everton 2021. Obviously not going to go through, you know, every single game here, but, um, you know, obviously the big, the big game to start off, of course, Tottenham won nothing uh, away on the first day of the season. Um, that was uh, a great win and I think a, you know, um, you know, a defining win to start off the season. And then we rattled off, I think, set what, seven straight wins here, um, you know, in all competitions. Then the Pickford, Virgil van Dyke injury incident, the Henderson offside goal. Uh, we tied Liverpool 2-2 and then start to go in a little bit of a downslide here um, until um, December 12th. Um, when it, you know Everton beat Chelsea at home one nothing, um, you know back line of four center backs, something that we would start to see more often. Um, we win that game um, with two thousand fans, and then uh, go on a little bit of a winning streak. Uh, Less beat Leicester two nothing, beat Arsenal two one at home with two thousand fans, um, and then we lose to she- uh, Man United, and then beat Sheffield United or excuse me, lose to Man United in the uh, EFL Cup and then beat Sheffield United 1-0 um, on December 26th, Boxing Day, um, for four straight Premier League wins for the second time this season. Um, Pete, we'll start with you. How surprised were you by Everton's start? What were the biggest differences between them last season and the start of this season? Um, and, and why why did you, you know, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the October, November drop off, but let's start off with just kind of your surprise at the, at Everton start and what were, you know, the biggest differences between them last season and the start of this season. So the obvious concern as we said before is like the midfield and then from the season before, and then uh, even in preseason, I think we played Blackpool, we were like three down up like 10 minutes or something. And then we brought in, I think it was Decorey, Allen and Hammers in that week before the game. They'd never played together before. And then suddenly, against Spurs, we just looked like world beaters, like playing this fluid, free-flowing football I've never seen at Everton. And that carried on until, I think it was basically the international break before the derby. And every game there, we weren't always perfect, but we created so many chances. And I'm just wondering if it was like a pure honeymoon period of these new lads all like, Everyone's kind of excited to have them around and the manager just went for that international break because we never got back to that kind. We, we had some good results throughout the season, but they were, it was, they were very different types of performances to what we experienced in those, I think it was, what, seven games or so. Um, so if you look at the score as well, apart from the Spurs game, we won 3 0 5-2, 5-2, 2-1, 4-1, 4-1. It's just mm. like, it's not known at Everton that those kind of, like, those kind of score lines. Um, and then, yeah, something happened. I think the international break came probably in just a point where you wanted to carry on forever. And then yeah. came back into Liverpool. We put in an okay performance, but we weren't great. And then after that, we it just gone, and we never really found it again. Really, it just seems like a real quintessential honeymoon. I think. Matthew, um, I feel like the the drop off was more just because of how. I know it's a bit of an easy guess out, but I, I do think the the quick turnaround in games this season, uh, the threadbare squad, the constant and just unabating churn of injuries that we seem to get, I think ultimately did take its toll. And that is really what forced Ancelotti to be more pragmatic later on. Um, was I surprised that we started well? Uh, yes, to the extent we did, no. That we that we had a, I thought we'd have a good start. I felt no crowds would help us away, which obviously it did. I thought we had a, a kind, you know, run of fixtures. Um, Tottenham, the Tottenham game I felt was probably one of the best performances of the season. So not only did we nullify them, but carried a threat pretty much all game. And the goal that won that game when Dean plays that perfect 
free kick onto Calvert-Lewin's head. It's a brilliant header. You know, um, we should have beaten them by more than one really that day. Um, and then even even West Brom, you know, we go behind in that game and, okay, it's only West Brom, it's a, but, you know, um, to come back and win that as convincingly we did, playing some of the football we did that day as well. Rodriguez scores that fantastic goal and does he, I think he chips one over for Calvert-Lewin or Rodriguez as well, uh, Richarlison later on. Um, yeah. So, there seems to be more character about Evan, there seems to be more quality, more... I guess personality early on, um, mm. but I think ultimately we kind of saw how much of a work in progress they still were at Southampton and Newcastle. Um, don't think Ancelotti necessarily helped himself when he played five midfielders against Newcastle. Um, I don't think he necessarily helped himself uh, when he played that weird kind of. 3-5-2 or whatever against Leeds um, and I think maybe that run was kind of what alerted him to kind of just how subpar the squad is because if you look at the Chelsea game after that after the draw against Burnley where we basically just batten down the hatches um, you know flesh out the defence with centre-backs um, and obviously it worked it wasn't as pretty to watch of course Um but you know, to win at Chelsea, to win to beat Chelsea, Leicester, and Arsenal in a week is, is pretty good going. And then to go and win at Sheffield United to make it four straight Premier League wins. You know, for the second we did that twice this season and hadn't done it at all for four years. So I think again, that's what makes the season, I guess, when we look back at it in total, kind of frustrating in that there was obvious signs of improvement there in Everton. You know, they were more um Maybe, maybe mature or professional or streetwise, I don't know, but there was something that there was an element of something there, and it's, it's just shame how it faded away. And then, obviously, now how it doesn't look like it's going to be sort of uh, improved upon even further next season by the manager. Um, but in general, I think it was probably as good a start of the season as you could have, uh, as good a first half of the season as you could hope for. In terms of we were second in the league, um, you know, a lot of players had improved as well. I think, you know, I think Michael Keane had a very good first half of the season, having been pretty poor for most of last year. Uh, ben Godfrey obviously kind of put the limelight in those December games. Uh, Dominic Calvert Lewin scored tons of goals. Um, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson looked rejuvenated at times as well. So, a lot of kind of feathers in Ancelotti's cap, I guess. But um, I think ultimately we kind of saw as the, as the season went on, just kind of how limited maybe the, the tools at his disposal were. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, you know, it was a great it was a great start to the season. I mean, finishing being in second on Boxing Day is, you know, I mean that's <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing, especially considering, um, you know. Obviously, some of this, you know, what we, you know, once injuries started to pile up, what what we had left of the squad. Um, the start was great. I mean, after, I think the only thing that, you know, was mentioned really after the first two games, no, no clean sheets for really the next, uh, up until that Chelsea game um, on December 12th. That was, I think, our first clean sheet of the season after the, the Salford um, uh-huh. EFL Cup yeah. victory. Um, yeah. So I, you know, obviously that was something that was talked about a lot in the beginning of that season. But Everton were performing well. I mean, that middle part of the season, you had, you know, uh, in the Liverpool game, you had Richarlison sent off, and then the following game, you had Dean sent off. So, um, you know, dealing with a little bit of problems there. It was to Newcastle two one, um, and then kind of pick things up a little bit. Um, and then by the end of December, you're lo- you're sitting pretty and you're you're looking good. And um, you know, I think a lot of us felt pretty optimistic going into January, especially with maybe a window to add a couple players that maybe could help us. Um, but I mean, not not too many guys brought. No, not really anybody brought in. Just one player. Um, we'll move on to the Jan- on on to January onwards. Just one player brought in for Everton. It was Josh King on a, on a small fee from Bournemouth. Um, 
players that went out also left uh, on 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 free, um, and then you know a bunch of loans, including Cheng Tosun, Yannick Bellasi, Ellis Sims, uh, Branthwaite, John Joe Kenny, Gordon Beningami. Um, so a bunch of players left on loan, and then um, you know uh, Everton started off the January um, portion of or started off in January with a loss uh, to West Ham. Um, they did beat Rotherham in the, in the FA Cup 2-1 after extra time and then went on to beat Sheffield United in the FA Cup. Um, you know, it was a pretty successful, you know, f- through even through February 10th, Everton go on and beat Tottenham 5-4 and after extra time in the FA Cup, and things are looking really good. Then they go on to lose to Fulham 2-0, lose to Man City 3-1. Um, but then of course, February 20th, the, um, probably one of the best days of the season when Everton beat, um, Liverpool in the Derby, um, at Anfield for the first time since 1999 two nothing uh, where Charleston and Sigurdsson get the goals there. We sit in seventh, um, go on a little bit of a win streak there. Um, and then things started to kind of take a turn for the wrong direction. Um, we only went two game, three games after that, um, all by the score of one nothing. Uh, we beat Arsenal away for the first time at at the Emirates. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, for the first time, yeah, we, we have beaten Arsenal away in since eighteen seventy eight. Yeah. So, um, so beat Arsenal away, beat West Ham, uh, beat Wolves, and even after that Wolves game, still some hopes that we get into Europe. Um, but again, five nothing to Man City at the end of the season puts us in tenth. We had never been as low. We hadn't been as low as tenth um, at all in the season uh, previously. So the last, you know, from from March eighth on, um, just three wins, one, two, three, four, five, six losses, um, and and a few draws here. It looks like four draws. So. Um, Kind of a, a little bit of a collapse at the end of the season the last couple months. Tenth, fair or harsh for Everton? Uh, should they have, you know, added more in the season um, in the January transfer window? Um, you know, what went wrong for Everton here? Uh, Matthew, we'll start with you. Um, I just think fundamentally they just ran out of, ran out of energy. Um, the season took its toll on a lot of the players. Um, I think... The over-reliance of Dominic Calvert-Lewin was kind of laid bare by A, how how toothless we look without him and B, how kind of, not injury-prone, but how he, he seemed to miss the odd few games with niggling problems every so often. Um, and, you know, the football was not pretty to watch at all, really, for the second half of the season. But I think all you can say in mitigation is that it was a pretty horrible season for everyone. And like like I keep saying, I don't think the squad was particularly well suited to playing. I think it was well suited to playing good football when everyone was fit and available, like like at the start of the season when we were really good to watch. I just think when you strip even you know part of that away, what are you left with? Not very much. You know, Richardson had a tough season. Uh, Luca Dean started really well, got injured, and then was kind of iffy towards the end. Cavalier kind of goes right up a bit for him. He got get a very good season. So, a lot of factors uh, why Everton didn't get get Europe in the end. Um, I think I think strengthening. In, I think not strengthening in January there will be maybe. A, 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 we don't know how how. I'm sure they tried very hard. I'm sure you know they would have want Ancelotti would have wanted more than a player who he ended up barely playing. Josh King, but that feels like a missed opportunity for Everton just because um, it was a chance to build on, like I said, the foundations that the first half of the season laid. Um, and it's no guarantee, of course, that signings will be a success and that will propel you into Europe, but that I guess would have instilled more confidence in people that Everton had a, a stronger squad, you know. Um, I think this summer it's quite obvious now because of the second half season where the weak spots are we need another striker to support Calvert-Lewin you need a right back you need a manager <laughs> probably um, 
So, yeah, I, I just think fundamentally he probably got as much as he could have get could have got out of this squad. To be honest, I think the only thing I would say against Ancelotti is his inability to find a winning formula in those home games um, was pretty worrying. I would say. Um, I know a lot of that is probably to do with the fact that there were no fans, but even still, they are the kind of games that you've seen Everton lose under previous managers, like Norwich under Silva or uh, Sunderland on Boxing Day under Martinez, I remember, um, where you just sort of pelt, you know, pelt the opposition with shots and, and you know, hog possession, but can't, can't break them down. West Brom is another one where we had 40 shots under, under Martinez and didn't have like one on target or something. Um, and Ancelotti, it did feel like those defeats were kind of carbon copies of each other. You know, just kind of play in front of the opposition and not look to make inroads into them, in behind them. So, and they they are the results that cost Everton this season, aren't they? They're not. It's not the five 0 loss to Man City or you know the loss at Chelsea or even you know throwing two points away against Tottenham when we defended those two goals dreadfully. It is it's you know it's Sheffield United at home, it's Newcastle at home, it's Fulham at home. I think if you got four points out of, I think we, I think we 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 lost to five of the bottom half at home, and I think if we got four points out of those five games, would have got your, and you know, I and mean, we won as many home games with fans in the stadium this season as without them, three each. So, like I said, I think that problem will even out next season. But if it, whether it, whether it's Ancelotti or not, and it's probably not, you know, you would hope that maybe. There is more of a, there's less of a sort of one-dimensional approach to those games, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, when you look back at this part of the season, I think we talked about it on the podcast 15 times, you know, just about the lack of options that were on the bench. And um, obviously it was hard with injuries and, and everything really that, that kind of came to fruition here at the end of the season uh, or in, in this last half, it was two months of the season. Um, you know, that was that was a big thing that stood out and, and just not being able to score goals and put anything in the back of the net, not having options off the bench. Um, you know, obviously Pickford got significantly better um, the second half of the season even. Um, so obviously that's a plus, but um, you know, it's uh, like you said, Matthew, it's those games against, it's not the games where we lose five, nothing to Manchester city on the last day. It's, it's, you know, the 0-0 draw with Aston Villa that, you know, probably needed to be a winner. 2-1 lost Aston Villa probably needed to be a win. Uh, you know, a, a, you know a, a draw with Brighton. Um, you know, a 1-1 draw with Crystal Palace. A 2-1 loss to Burnley. And that's just in the last two months of the season. So, um, you know, there were, there were opportunities there to not even just finish in a, Euro, in a European spot, like the, you know, the UEFA Conference League or whatever. Um, or the European Conference League, whatever it's called. Um, there was opportunities to finish even higher than that um, and really, I mean, compete for even, you know, have, have a shot at Champions League. So, um, you know, those ones will stand out when you look at this, especially this back end of the season. Um, those will be the ones that, that stand out to you and you say, um, well, it could have been, you know, 10th, 10th seems harsh, but when you lose games like that, um, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to argue. Um, final thoughts on, on the 2019 and 2020 and, and, and looking ahead to the 2020, uh, 2020, 2021 season. Uh, next, yeah. Next season. Right. Right. 2021. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, or yeah, I got you. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, looking ahead to next season, uh, this past season, again, Premier League, we finished in 10th. Um, the FA Cup, we finished in the quarterfinals. The EFL Cup, we, we got knocked down in the quarterfinals. Um, and then um, let's just, you know, just to wrap this up before we move on to what will be still a confusing summer for us to discuss, even though nothing has been officially confirmed. Um, it looks like, Ange- again, Ancelotti is on his way out um, to Real Madrid. Uh, but let's start with finishing and wrapping up the season. Matthew, we'll start with you. Highlights, lowlights of the season, player of the season, most improved player. Um, what do you got? Um, and the obvious highlight, I guess, is Anfield. Um, but um, 
I also obviously really enjoyed, like I said before, the Tottenham win uh, and the, the Chelsea and Arsenal wins in December where we, I know Arsenal are not sort of the force they used to be, but it felt like we sort of really grinded that win out. Show a lot of character. Low lights, basically any of the home defeats. You can pretty much take any of them. Sheffield United probably hurt the most because of the opposition and where they were and the fact that it was basically, you know, all or nothing for Everton in that game and they kind of meekly fell to defeat. Um, but it's been a really weird season of kind of extreme highs and extreme lows, hasn't it? So there's probably a lot mm. more that I'm sure people want to pick out. Um, player of the season for me is probably Godfrey just because of how it's harsh on Calvert-Lewin because I think there's more to judge a striker by than just goals but I think Godfrey has you know come in had to play about three different positions never complained not outwardly anyway never complained um, you know taking all of them really in his stride um, like I said last week he feels like everything that Evans you know, summer recruitment should be in terms of personality, in terms of age, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go for him just more, maybe more because of the surprise of how good he's been. Um, I expect another improved season from Calvert-Lewin. I think if you're going off improve, most improved, you, I would say Calvert-Lewin in terms of Everton players who were here last season. Yeah. Uh, although maybe give, I would maybe give Jordan a pick for the shout as well. Um Maybe not over the course of the season, but certainly for the last three months. I think Robin Olsen's helped him a lot in terms of competition. And uh, I just think that is um, a position which Everton probably don't need to worry about too much this summer now. You know, you would hope Ancelotti's probable departure doesn't affect Pickford too much either. Um, but he has certainly been a lot more consistently impressive the last three months or so of the season. So I go for him yeah. for most improves. Uh, Pete, how about you? Um, I think the highlights and lowlights are kind of the same as Matt, really. Like, obviously, that first seven games is just kind of brilliant, like, vivid dreamlike scenario. And then, obviously, beating Liverpool at Anfield was massive. And then the lowlights, just watching the same game over and over again at home, that like, it doesn't matter who the opposition was, but as long as they were bottom half of the league, they'd just come, sit back, let us dig our own grave, and then bury us. Um, and then in terms of player of the year, like I, I love Godfrey's attitude, but I think for me, like the biggest upgrade we had on the field was just getting Allen in and kind of having that kind of real quality, just sat in front of the defence, a kind of pivot player. So I'd probably go for him for my own player of the year. Um, it was a bit of a shame we missed him in part um, for a good chunk of the season. I think that cost us a bit. Um, I think when you talk about uh, Calvert-Lewin, I don't think he actually necessarily lost four or maybe maybe to a degree but I don't think I think the bigger issue with him was that the supply just dried up like in the early stage of the season we're just putting chances on the plate for him every week um because he was just kind of getting the six yard box and the ball with there but towards the end of the season I just we just weren't getting in those positions so I don't think it's any reflection on him necessarily although he's obviously he's still got a lot to improve on um that aspect I think was more due to the team performance than him um, yeah, it was ultimately just a massive missed opportunity, wasn't it? Whereas, if you look at the table, we're only 15 points off second, or I say only, it feels like only when you look at who we lost to at home, like you can easily pick out five games we could have won at home, if not more. So, imagine if we came second this year, what a different mentality and feeling we'd be having about all this now. So, I think just ultimately just a massive missed opportunity considering how weak a lot of the league was or inconsistent most of the league was unfortunately we were equally as inconsistent yeah uh for me i mean obviously you know the highlights um you know you guys mentioned a bunch of them for me personally on a personal uh on a personal um note i mean i always like beating tottenham because my brother and my dad are both tottenham fans so those games are big ones for me um Low light just really can, – can it be the last two months of the season? I mean, you know, losing one nothing to Sheffield United is certainly a low light, obviously. Um, you know, but there's so many so many games you can really pick out of this um, that, that were really games that, you know, really end up, you know, really hurting Everton in the end. Um, 
in terms of player of the season, you know, Ben Godfrey, you guys mentioned Hamas as well. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, those are, are, are both great shouts. And then the most improved player, Calvert Lewin. I mean, obviously, like you said, Pete, you know, I think a big part of the reason things dried up as well is he's, you know, as much as he has improved, he, he still is a bit one dimensional in the sense that he's very good in the air and can head the ball in the net, but um, getting it to, you know, getting the ball played to his feet and, you know, creating shots from long distances or, you know, even just outside the six yard boxes is, is something that certainly needs to be improved. So, um, you know, I thought he was really, you know, I thought he was really good, but still, still some, some room for improvement there. So, um, where, I mean, obviously, again, this is hard to, um, picture what direction we're going, but where needs the most surgery over the summer? Pete, we'll start with you. I think the, like I alluded to earlier, like the big thing we missed last summer was probably a new right back. And that's even more the case this summer. I think there's a, I think everyone is kind of agreed on who we want as well in terms of Max Aarons from Norwich. It's just a question if we can get him now, especially if like top six team comes in for him, we can offer Europe. Um, and we just need options from the bench, don't we? We, we haven't won a game that we're losing at half time in five years. It's absolutely mental. Like United won, I think, six games this year when they were losing at half time. If we'd won six games from half time, we'd be second. You know, it's like a massive. We need to be able to change games. If plan A is not working, we need to have a plan B that we can actually utilise. We just don't. If we, if we take the lead early on, we're fine. But if we don't do that, we're, you know if we're not winning at half-time, we're not going to win more often than not. Um, so I think right-back is one. Uh, someone we can bring from the bench that can bring some dynamism. Um, and I'd love to see like a powerful attacking midfielder I'm not like Gilfie Sigurdsson. He's I think he's a good squad player, but he shouldn't be playing. He shouldn't be starting many games. And I'd love to see just someone who can get on the ball, drive at people. I'm not sure exactly who. Like someone a bit like uh, Easy at uh, Palace. I'm not sure about not necessarily him, but that kind of style of player I think would definitely give us more options. Matthew, how about you? Um, well, I, I kind of said before, I think. Uh, you know, better competition with Dominic Calvert Lewin, if nothing else, just to ease his workload a bit, because like I said, he looked pretty spent by the end of the season. Um, you would worry now that James Rodriguez is going to leave, but even even if he stays, I agree with Pete, we need more creativity from midfield or out, or out wide, depending on where, where you see Rodriguez's best position as being. Um, and then. Yeah, right back uh, on the wing <laughs> uh, in the dugout now, I guess. Um, there's a lot to do and it's not, you know, two months might sound like a lot of time but or two and a half months, but, you know, you've got to, whoever comes in instead of Ancelotti has got to get to know the squad. Yeah. I know, like I said, he'll have brands which will help and he'll have you know, other members of staff or players to, to lean on for advice or whatever, but it's not that much time really to assess what you've got before, we, before pre-season starts. And obviously, ideally, you want to start pre-season with as much of your squad as you're going forward with as possible. So, And even that's going to be tough just with, you know, Euros and whatnot too. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Obviously, that, that throws a wrench in everything as well, so... Yeah, I mean, we remember we appointed Cuban during the last Euros and Silva during the last World Cup. Um, yeah. And uh, I think actually with the, the Cuban season, we started okay, didn't we? But then kind of fell away a bit, whereas Silva just kind of came on strong at the end. So it um, be interesting to see what element that plays. Um, but obviously, I think, I think midfield has been kind of beefed up and it's got a lot more grit in it and steel and tenacity with Decore and Allen especially and Tom Davies has improved but like Pete said I think creativity is, is still lacking there so if I was to sign three players this summer it would be a striker a creative midfielder and ooh, probably a right back I guess but a winger winger is obviously a big concern as well 
So. Yeah, um, I think I'd be um, in agreement with that. I mean, right back, obviously, I, I think is just, I, I think you just need a, John Joe Kenny's not going to work there. You know, I think, I think we're, we're past the point of thinking that he can be the, the Seamus Coleman replacement. So I think we need to get somebody to fill that role and, and, and bring in somebody that, that can be a younger player, um, uh, younger, more dynamic player on that, on that right, in that right back position. Again, being creative up top, um, you know, is, is something that Everton lacks significantly. So, um, but like you said, Matthew, it's, it's, there's a lot to get done in a little bit of time with the new manager. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. And, Unfortunately, with a new manager coming in, which we, again, presume is happening, um, nothing officially confirmed, but it is, it is presumed that that'll happen. Um, it's, it's just going to create another summer of uncertainty and figuring out and, and just kind of another su- summer that we've seen too, far too often in, in, in recent years. So um, departures so far this summer, Walcott, Pennington, Connolly, Adnirin, um, King, Besich, and Belasi, you know, haven't been released yet, but we would, you would presume that they will be released. Are we expecting many more players to be departing Everton uh, this summer, Matthew? Uh, I think just the, the usual suspects, isn't it? I don't know who. The problem, I guess, is, is not so much putting them up for sale as it is finding people wanting to pay their wages and pay, pay a fee for them. I mean... Sure, we all know like who the players are that you want to get rid of, um, but you know, like I said, beyond the stub best eleven, that bench is really short quality. So there's a lot of me shifting there. Um, but how many clubs are going to be attracted enough to, the, to those players to want to pay their wages as well? So um, it's not easy. Yeah, Pete, how about you? Yeah, I think in terms of cutting the squad, like I don't think we need to be really like like in the past we've kind of like put people out to dry a bit like people like Lassie and I think that's just not a great way of doing it really in terms of we're just mm. kind of stuck with a player that no one then wants, no one's willing to pay for because they know we're just desperate to get rid of them. And I don't think there's any I mean there's players that aren't quite good enough, but they definitely can do a job in the squad. If you look at it, you know, Bernard's the Delphs, stuff like that. I mean if you can get rid of them, great, but there's there's only so much you can do. You've got to make, make them a bit attractive, you know. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's any great travesty in keep, if they end up staying. Um, I think as long as we just improve, bring in two, three, four players that do really improve our options, that's what we really need. It's not about a wholesale change, you wouldn't say. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I mean, I, you would hope that there are, uh, again, Matthew said, there's there's the suspects that I think everybody thinks are on their way out or hope are, are on their way out, but um, you know it just it you just needs some surgery. Players that you know, like you said, players that will improve the squad. That's what we need to bring in. Um, and again, as we saw with Godfrey, it doesn't have to be a player that many of us know a lot about. So hopefully, um, you know, the recruitment process is good, and hopefully, whoever the new manager is, um, will it will the work well with brands and in just finding these types of players and being able to uh you know get them to come to Everton and buy into a you know a project that um has gotten just a little bit harder over the past you know 24 hours um moving into 2021 2022 as we look at Everton the season um it's hard to I think predict things right now obviously with not knowing who's coming in as the manager not knowing the players that'll be here but Pete, we'll start with you. What are the realistic targets for Everton in, in, in the next season? It's like the same thing as every year, isn't it? Can we get into Europe? Probably not. Let's not get relegated. You know? <laughs> like, um, I think we'll probably just end up coming somewhere between 7th and 12th, unless something dramatically changes in the club. And I don't, it's hard to see it at the moment. I think we're I- just, everyone's a bit worn out, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. I'm talking about the fans there, not the players. Yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. It's 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 kind of hard to even think about it just because it, it just feels like we've been in the same cycle for for years now. Matthew, thoughts on, on realistic targets for Everton in the next season? It'd be the same as every other season, won't it? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But win a cup, that's another thing. Win a cup. No, we won't win a cup. cup. That's, that's not, I think you said in one of your stats, Pete, and I 
uh, empathised with it, even though I'm slightly younger than you, that, like, however long we've watched Everton, we basically... <laughs> feels like we probably haven't had a good experience of, like, the how emotionally... Um, sort of... Or how much for sort of an emotional sort of white-knuckle ride football can be, because all we've ever done is really stay, you know, in between a few league positions in the Premier League, barring the odd good or bad season. It's just quite a numbing experience being an Everton fan. Well, I I'd like to get relegated just to feel something. <laughs> I don't want us to get relegated. I know what you mean. I don't want us to get relegated, but I know what you mean. It's just, it would, you know, a sense of jeopardy, I think maybe even that would probably bring people more together almost maybe than, than just yeah. um, there's this kind of sense of being stuck in, in mid-table forever. Mm. Um, I don't think we'll finish higher than seventh. That, that's out of push just because if a new manager comes in, then it's just the same problems going to resurface all, all over again, aren't we? So, aren't they? So, and Evan don't do that anyway. So, I, my optimism for this season has really waned after today's news, I think. But, um, had Ancelotti stayed, or if Ancelotti stays, because we're recording this before, it's been confirmed, but if Ancelotti stays, I would have felt quietly confident about maybe a, a top six finish, maybe. Uh, I can't see that now because I think the manager we'll, we will get will be an inferior manager to Ancelotti and also we'll have to have those, you know, the first season problems that every Everton manager has had since uh, since Ronald Koeman, really. So, apologies for my lack of enthusiasm, but I don't, <laughs> really, I don't really see much cause for optimism at the moment. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I think it's it's pretty hard to just be be excited um, or or kind of you know encourage not encouraged but you know excited i guess excited would be the right word about about what's next um you know i mean I, I this might make you guys feel something i've seen a lot of this on twitter uh reported by the athletic uk i think i think specifically greg o'keefe it, it seems that um get ready for it steven gerrard is is on the potential list of managers to be brought up in the 3 p.m meeting so that'll be fun um i, I there's no way that you would you could see no, he's not no, no, no. Point, point. <laughs> but uh, but apparently his name will be brought up along with uh, players like uh, you know people like Benitez and, and Moyes as well. So um, you know, um, three p.m. meeting seems more like a um, which is going on right now, right, Matthew? It's like three thirty over there. It seems more like a uh, a how do where do we go from here meeting rather than how do we keep Ancelotti meeting? So it seems like the border are. are, are you know, set on, on, give, on, on letting him go as well. So uh, just a matter of time before that becomes official. So, um, you know, we'll see where we go from here. But uh, Pete, thank you so much for joining us. Sorry, it couldn't be a more upbeat episode for you. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for having me. It's always good to chat you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Matthew, thank you, for, uh, thank you for joining as always. Thank you. Um, to you guys out there, uh, appreciate you listening. This will be the last episode for a decent bit of time, I would think, right? Uh, maybe when the, you know we get a new manager, we'll, we'll, we'll do a, an episode and, and any big signings. But um, other than that, I think we're going to take a, a bit of a hiatus here um, until the beginning of the next season. Just take our minds off Everton and, and try not to think about it a bit, um, especially with the summer and, and not much really going on. So um, we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, keep those notifications on. So when we do have an episode for anything big that, that breaks, um, you guys will be able to listen to it. We appreciate you. And, uh, we'll talk to you when we talk to you. Peace. <laughs>